Hello and welcome to Trending Now on uh, MSONewsports.com. I'm Rick Moore along with uh, Josh Arnold, our producer and engineer Bill Proposky. And this is a program heard uh, most Fridays on uh, MSO. And uh, this is going to be the last Friday that we're going to do this in this format for a while. We'll explain that later on. As um, we're going to be switching over, I'll explain it right now. We're going to be switching over to a new program on Tuesdays. We're resurrecting, uh, Josh and I are resurrecting um, um, a, a North Shore type magazine program uh, called Connections. And we're going to have that on this 10 o'clock morning time slot on Tuesday mornings from now on. And what we'll have is will be a variety of guests, a variety of information and news. And Josh and I will be taking a look at the day's events locally as well, along with Bill Newell. And um, Josh will have uh, an interview or two, as will I. Um, and we invite your participation in that. So check it out. It'll be called Connections on Tuesdays. You see our our promotion is uh, there, the banner right on the top right side of the website, uh, just outside of this, uh, this post right here. Okay, so we are approaching... Um, a lot of stuff here, the holidays, but more importantly for this program, uh, on Tuesday, is, is it Tuesday or Monday? Monday, I believe, is Veterans Day. Monday is. So uh, in preparation for that, uh, we wanted to have a show uh, and talk to veterans. So that's today's show. Is, is We have three veterans, uh, that uh, well, at least you, two and hopefully three. Well, I won't, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be able to get that third one done. So uh, no, I, I've got to edit that and so on. I'll need a I'll need a computer for Mark that. Mark Nestor, uh, who is a uh, retired United States Army, served uh, as a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. He's uh, very involved with the uh, uh, commander of the Lester, Captain Lester Wasp American Legion post here in Gloucester. Involved with the AMVETS, he was instrumental in bringing the Vietnam Veterans uh, uh, Memorial Wall here in 2015. Uh, He's a guest, and we have Adam Kukuru, who is the veterans agent uh, for the city of Gloucester, will be a guest as well. All right, so that's uh, coming up here this morning on MSO. We'll be right back. Start the fall season with a winning mortgage rate from your hometown team. Whether you are thinking about buying a new home or condo or refinancing your existing one, our loan rates are among the lowest anywhere. Check out our full menu of rates and terms and apply online 24-7 at institutionforsavingsloans.com. Institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIF, equal housing lender. Harrington Trophy has been rewarding the North Shore for over 30 years with quality custom awards, screen printing, embroidery, and more. We pride our family-owned business on our exceptional customer service and quality products for the right price. Custom t-shirts, sweatshirts, warm-up suits, hats, along with the area's top trophies, plaques, glass awards, we are the one-stop shop for end-of-the-year banquets or advertising your small business through apparel. Come see us at Harrington Trophy, Chestnut Street, Lynn, or HarringtonTrophy.com. You'll love the Bradford Tavern in Rowley as they feature a menu to please everyone. Start your meal with your choice from a dozen delicious appetizers. There are also soups and fresh salads. Dinner selections include burgers, sirloin tips, chicken parmesan, chicken piccata, and then there's seafood, clams, haddocks, salmon, lobsters, and fish tacos, plus a wide selection of sandwiches and wraps. Let the Bradford Tavern host your events or functions set in unique spaces. Open Six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. The Bradford Tavern, Route 133 Rowley and BradfordTavern.com. The North Shore is listening to MSONewsports.com and our great selection of podcasts. Hi, this is Phil Stacy, Executive Sports Editor of the Salem News. 
Make sure to listen to our podcast every week with the sports writers from the Salem News, including Matt Williams, Nick Giannino, and myself. MSO News Sports, connecting you to the North Shore. Including the commute, people spend 10 hours a day at work. No wonder they're forced to buy car insurance in 15 minutes. They just don't have time to go meet with someone. Well, Columbia Insurance has an alternative. The insurance professionals at Columbia Insurance Agency will meet with you at your workplace. Even better, we'll go to the registry and bring your plates back to you at work, free of charge. At Columbia Insurance Agency, we come to you, and we really do. Visit ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net and set up an appointment today. That's ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net. Harrington's Trophy and Awards has been rewarding the North Shore for over 25 years. Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington. And I am Marty Harrington, and we are known for our local family business, providing custom trophies, plaques, screen printing, embroidery, and much more. We offer a variety of services such as engraving wedding gifts, medals for charity walks, youth sports trophies and uniforms. From the newest style performance wear to your everyday work shirts, we are your one-stop shop. Whether it's a fantasy football, warm-up suits for your team, end-of-the-year banquet gifts, or recognizing excellence, We pride our business on our exceptional customer service and quality products. Located in Lynn or visit our website at harringtontrophy.com. Well, as happens sometimes in live radio, sometimes you uh, sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. And uh, this time, I guess with a with a windshield. Um, No, I guess with a bug. That's how it goes. You can uh, tap that so you get that screen back. Um, Okay. So maybe uh, we'll, while we we'll see if we can get a hold of uh, Mr. Nestor, uh, you could maybe go over some of his uh, accomplishments. So you've got a—it's a, a very extensive biography, certainly. Yeah, he was a—he uh, was a. Uh, oh, there you go. There you go. Hello. Hello. Mark. This is Mark Nestor. Great. Yes. Good. We'll put you on the air in a second. Stand by. You're all set. We're back with uh, trending now with Josh Idle. Our first guest is Mark Nestor. Mark, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it was nice seeing you last night. Uh, I was just sharing with my co-host and uh, station owner, Rick uh, Moore, that you were the recipient of a Unsung Hero Award uh, with the uh, Rotary last night, and uh, congratulations on uh, receiving that. Well, thank you for the honor. I don't deserve it, but I'll accept it on behalf of all veterans who are helping other veterans. Great. So tell us about your uh, time, uh, I, your time. tell us about your background. I know that you served uh, in Vietnam. Uh, I know that you uh, retired from the service as a major, uh, but there's a lot of time in between that. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I started out going, when it was the military, to language school um, to learn a dialect, and my recruiter, God bless his soul, promised me Japanese or German, and I ended up taking Vietnamese, North Korean, North Hanoi dialect. So I was an interpreter initially, which it, when I knew where I was going, I decided to fly, so I went to flight school. 
And then after I graduated from flight school, I went over to Vietnam and served over Vietnam as a helicopter pilot for a year, primarily in the second in the Central Highlands. And, and so you had to take a crash course in Vietnamese before you went to flight school. No, what, yeah. What I when I initially enlisted, um, I dropped out of college and was initially enlisted. The recruiter says, "I got a great thing for you. Go to go to language school." The, the language school was either at Anacosta Naval Annex in D.C. or Monterey, California. I'll have a great time. Yeah. So I, when I went to language school, when I got there, I discovered I wasn't getting German. I wasn't getting Japanese. I was getting a 47-week course in Vietnamese Hanoi dialect. So for 47 weeks, but I eventually went to Fort Bliss, Texas, which had the Vietnamese school. And so I spent 47 fun-filled weeks in El Paso, Texas, learning the Vietnamese dialect. And then that's when I decided that rather than walking in Vietnam, I thought I'd rather fly. Ah. I went to flight school afterwards. And you were a helicopter pilot? Yes, I was a helicopter pilot. went overseas to the 4th Division. I flew with the 4th Division in the Central Highlands um, from 1969 to 1970. Wow. And, and so were those combat missions largely, or was it like, like we see MASH or anything like that where you're... Uh, most, of my, most of mine were combat missions for the first half, and then because of my Army Security Agency background, I flew top-secret missions for the last six months of my tour. Okay. I mean, and you still kind of talk about that, right? Uh, no, I'd have to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh... Part of it was, of it was involved as I was involved in, in the early uh, Cambodian invasion. Sure. Um, so you, you uh, after Vietnam, after Vietnam, you still made, stayed in the service, uh, both in uh, the Army and then uh, also the Army Reserves. Tell us about your, your time there. Um, after I got off active duty, I enlisted in the National Guard out of Delaware because at that time I was living with my parents at Valley Forge, and that was a helicopter battalion there. And I stayed there for about a year, and then when I went back to Penn State, I served with another National Guard aviation unit out of near State College, Pennsylvania. Um, and when I went to law school, they came up here and again transferred and I became a helicopter pilot, uh, actually an assistant platoon leader for an aviation section out at Fort Devens while I was uh, taking law school. was in various ranks in the military, but was primarily in the, what was in the 187th Infantry Brigade and I became a platoon command, platoon leader for the aviation section. Then I took over the, as a commander for the headquarters and headquarters company, and then took over command of the 756 engineer company, and then took a command for the data processing. And then I went over to their higher headquarters with the 94th Army Reserve Command, which is essentially the reserve command for all the reservists, pretty much in New England. And I retired as the Chief Supply and Services Officer for the Deputy Chief of Staff for Logistics name, and I retired shortly after Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, where my job was to outfit all the units from the 94th ARCOM that were sent over to Kuwait to support uh, the uh, pushback and the incursion of, of Iraq in the, in the Kuwait. That's interesting. I, I interviewed uh, Larry Costa yesterday, who was a classmate of mine from high school. We actually grew up together. He was, we were in Boy Scouts and uh, ROTC together. And he was uh, Green Beret, 10th Special Forces at Fort Devens, and uh, he was deployed in uh, Iraq uh, uh, back in, 
he was d deployed uh, in Gulf One. Right. They went in. Uh, they went in to secure uh, when, as the Iraqis uh, started to retreat, uh, being pushed back. By, I think by the Kurds, uh, they kept. They stepped in and took over northern Iraq and held that until the rest of the army showed up. Yep. No, I we so I supported my aviation units at, at Fort Devens. Supported a lot of the same special forces because we had a larger aviation presence. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd have the guys jump out of the helicopters to, par to parachute into the. To he made a hundred jumps. He told me. Uh, I never could figure out why people would want to jump out of perfectly good helicopter <coughs> planes, but that's a different group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> I found when I was younger, I was not uh, too uh, worried about heights, but as I got older and taller, uh, they be bothered me a little bit more. Um, t in post-active uh, duty and post-reserves, you've been uh, intricately involved in, in a number of organizations uh, uh, in support of veterans, and I know that you received an award last night that uh, the Rotary Club uh, bestowed upon you. Uh, tell us about the work you do with the AMVETS and the Lester Wasp Post and the VFW and so forth. Well, my primary emphasis has been I'm kind of the, the commander of the American Legion Post, the Captain Lester S. Wasp Post, for about five years. Um, I was in the Vietnam era, and quite truthfully, I and most of my generation in plain sight for about 30 years. Uh, the, the homecoming we received after the Vietnam War was absolutely different than the homecoming we're receiving now. People didn't like it, they didn't want to be around us. We reminded them of the war that they opposed, and so we just hit. Um, finally, after 9-11, I decided if, with all these troops that are coming back and going that we couldn't hide anymore. So my my role was I want I wanted to make sure the veterans of this generation, namely the Iraq and Afghanistan generation, were able to come back into the community and be welcomed by the community and not shunned by the community. So that's been my emphasis and that's been the emphasis of my post, both the veterans and also to take care of aging veterans and senior citizens through our holiday meals. Um, we've been fortunate we have we were successful in convincing the city that when the new development goes in at Cameron's, starting, I think, they're going to be turning dirt in January, that five of the affordable housing units that are going in there are going to be dedicated solely for veterans. And so that's going to be the first veterans-only housing that Gloucester's had probably since right after the Korean War. Wow, that's great. Now, um, you mentioned that your reception coming home from Vietnam was different, and that was... A difficult thing uh, for a lot of people who went and served their country. I know that uh, certainly people that I worked with uh, in the schools and uh, in other uh, fields uh, had expressed that to me. Um, you were instrumental in bringing the the wall to Gloucester a few years back that listed uh, the, the, all the people who served who were killed in, in Vietnam. Um, Tell us about what went into that and, and how how that helped heal, uh, if any, if it did, uh, it, feelings yeah. uh, in the community. It was, it was it was deliberate. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be able to get out and see the wall in in D.C. Yeah. The thing you have to understand about the Vietnam War is you could be with one guy, your buddy, for 10 months, and 
the units weren't on cycle, individuals were. You went, you came in as an individual, you stayed for your 12 months as an individual, and you left as an individual. There wasn't any really unit cohesion like there is now. And so a lot of guys, especially if your, your buddies got shot or, or at medevac or killed, you never have any closure. One minute they're next to you in a firefight, the next minute they're being medevac back to the stage, you never saw them again. So my concern was that a lot of my fellow Vietnam veterans have never been able to say goodbye yeah. to their counterparts whose names are etched in the wall. So one of my primary emphasis was to bring the wall up here so my fellow veterans from Vietnam could have some closure. And we had probably over a thousand Vietnam vets that, that, that came to our memorial for the five days. Many of them came like in the dead of night when no one else was around. And they finally got to see closure. And we had one guy who was a a big burly guy. He had to find his. He had to find his friend. He had to find his friend. And so one of our volunteers who had the books was able to take him to the spot where his 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 buddy's name, who he lost overseas, never saw again, was etched. And and he fell down. He was just literally sobbing because he finally was able to say goodbye. We had one Marine from South Boston came up, and I believe don't hold me to the numbers. There was like fifteen of his of his buddies from his company that he lost over Vietnam that he was never able to say goodbye to, he was able to say goodbye to. They're all and so that's the kind of things I wanna make sure my fellow Vietnam veterans before they passed away could have closure and and, and say goodbye to people that they had not been able to say, to say goodbye to for thirty years. It's when when you encounter people today, if you're wearing a hat that ta- that, that shows that you were in the military or, or something, do is it more common for people to say thank you than it was maybe ten or twenty years ago? Uh, ten or twenty years ago, we're still getting spit on. Wow. In some respects, no. It's it, the, the, the dynamic dynamics have changed. I think. The community and the citizens have been able now to differentiate between the warrior and the war. The Vietnam era, they couldn't differentiate. When they saw us, they saw the war. We were the instruments of destruction, and they couldn't differentiate the fact that we were either drafted or enlisted to defend our country, and that was a job, and let the politicians deal with the, with the, the, the war. This generation of citizens have been able to differentiate, so even if they may oppose the war, They've been able to welcome the veterans back, and that's that's a, a big change. That's great. That's great, and 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 that continues on up post Vietnam to the other conflicts that uh, the United States has engaged. Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you, the, the 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 there are more organizations around, you know, the Wounded Warrior Project, and all those that 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 are around. They were never there after Vietnam. They didn't exist. I mean, PT. PTSD didn't exist. I mean, the, the VA would would send people away saying, you're not sick because you know, we don't see something physical. And it took the VA more than 10 years to finally acknowledge there was such, such a thing called PTSD. Um, in this generation, there are programs available, there's, there's veterans organizations available, there, there are, you know, the Wounded War, the other projects uh, that are available to help veterans. I mean, you saw it yesterday at, at the rotary, where the rotary stepped in and purchased a service dog for a veteran who was who was disabled. 
that was unthinkable in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, the, the communities opened up their hearts and, quite bluntly, their wallets to help veterans, uh, which, is, which is what I wanted to happen. I wanted to make sure that our community and our citizens understood the sacrifices that veterans have made and, you know, make sure they're inducted back into society and not that uh, with a back we have to exclude them. I want them to be included in everything, and I think we've succeeded. Good. So uh, tell us about, now I know your uh, Lester Post does things uh, for the veterans uh, and, and some of the other organizations. Tell us the range of activities that, that you do in, in support of uh, veterans uh, uh, in the community. Well, 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 I can tell you, I mean, right now, even as we speak, uh, Studio 1623 is upstairs in our Legion Hall, and they're going to be holding a veterans uh, on radio and TV discussing the veterans and, 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 and how they've been shaped and taken back. We have the Veterans Day ceremony on Monday. Uh, we're gearing up the Legion, uh, delivers holiday meals on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, and Easter to elderly veterans and shut-ins, and we've expanded our reach, and so we now serve five towns, Gloucester, Manchester, Rockport, Essex, and Ipswich, and we'll deliver these meals. We, we average, in, in Thanksgiving, we'll deliver 400, 450 meals, and they're all free. We get donations. We get volunteers to, to, to drive. We do the same thing at Christmas. We do the same thing at Easter. I mean, our, our mission is for, for those holidays that, no one should be alone, and no one should be without a hot meal on those days. And one of the perks is that we get a lot of families with young children that want to go deliver these things so their families can teach the kids what the real meaning of holidays are. And I can't tell you the expression these elderly people see on their face when they see this young kid delivering their meal. It's made the day which otherwise might be in complete loneliness. So those are the big ones. We're also the veterans along with the American Legion have taken over the Fish Box Derby, so we now run the Fish Box Derby, meaning the veterans, a number of veterans. And our purpose is, to, again, to reach out to okay. veterans to get them involved in community events and get them involved in, in family events. Um, we probably had five or six races this year. I mean, the American Legion has a racer we made. The, the veteran service officer has a racer. It's, so we have young vets and their families doing something together. It's a fun thing going down the hill. Uh, that type of situation. I talked to you about the housing that we do. Um, the, we sponsor a dart team. We sponsor a pool team. I know Cape Ann uh, Bowling has a special night in the, in the wintertime where veterans teams compete. It's, again, getting veterans out so they're out in the community and, the, and they understand that they can be out in the community and have, and have fun and the community can recognize them. So that's a number of things that we do. And it keeps on growing. The if if someone wants to help out, what how would they do that? Um, we have a website, uh, www.post3.org, which is the website for the American Legion. Uh, we just put an ad in the paper today. It's running twice, talking about the Thanksgiving dinner. How if you if you need a meal, how you contact us. If you want to volunteer, how you contact us. If you want to make a donation, how to contact us. It's all. I think the ad runs today. We'll also have it posted on the website, and it'll run again. 
and we've already sent out flyers to most of the senior care, Catholic charities, things like that, of the flyers to encourage them to get their clients to sign up. Uh, again, we want to make sure that nobody is alone on Thanksgiving and nobody should be without a hot meal on Thanksgiving. We've had instances before. We've, we've come to a, a quick story. We had a World War II veteran and his mother and his, and his wife who were alone on Thanksgiving. Their daughter had recently died, so by themselves, and we were able to, to find them. And before we delivered them a hot, two hot meals, they were going to be having like Chef Boyard in a can for Thanksgiving. Wow. So that's, that's the kind of change that we want to make. And that's the kind of change that that's our mission. And we, we've, this, the Legion has had this mission for many years, and we've recently enhanced it to, to expand to more towns because the demand's been there. So we will, go, we will go where the demand is. And unfortunately, I always have enough volunteers that we can do it. Well, I was not a veteran. I did uh, junior ROTC in high school, and we, uh, it was interesting talking to my uh, classmate Larry, who uh, we trained with the 10 Special Forces uh, uh, two weeks a year through the J junior ROTC program in high school, and then he went on to become part of it, which, which was interesting. My father was a veteran of Atlantic and Pacific theaters uh, and then in, back in Korea. Uh, but my, you'll find this interesting. My grandfather was a veteran of the Spanish-American War. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I've got a military history. My father was in World War II. He was an infantry. He was an artillery officer with the First Division and went through Europe and, and Normandy. And my mother was an army nurse who was stationed in the Philippines on December sixth, on December seventh, nineteen forty-one. And she became a POW for three and a half years in the Japanese internment camp until she was liberated in January of, of 1945 by MacArthur. So well, I, have a, I have a little military background. I know. I remember that. I remember that. I was hoping you'd feel comfortable enough to say that. Well, that's great. I want to thank you for uh, for being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold, but I also want to thank you for be, being a veteran serving our country and, and a special thanks for all that you do for the community and for the veterans. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to talk to you, and, and, and I appreciate what you and the Rotary have been doing. I mean, you, you guys have, have helped out with the veterans, and I appreciate that you're willing to, to reach out and help veterans. And that's it's always a plus, and it's a, it's a shining example of what the Rotary does. Well, put me down in your list, because I'd love to help you out on uh, any of the holidays delivering meals. Okay. Okay, okay. Talk to you soon. No Thank you. All right, Mike. And to be here 1030 on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> All right. Very well. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Did you know that professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States? And if you're thinking about replacing the windows in your home, you should see the Anderson Woodwright replacement windows, which can add considerable value to any home. See the Anderson windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber, we measure up. 
Enjoy the taste of summer all year round at Cherry Farm Creamery. Check out the fall ice cream flavors now available. Pick up an ice cream cake for that special occasion. The home of Sun and Air Golf, the North Shore's premier golf and learning center. Cherry Farm Creamery, Conan Street, Danvers, cherryfarmcreamery.com. Now hiring for the school year. We're here with Larry Costa, classmate from Gloucester High School, uh, who is uh, going to talk to us about uh, his time uh, in high school, on to Norwich, and then the military and, and beyond. Welcome to the program, Larry. Thank you, Josh. Glad to be here. Well, you know, I know that we had we were Boy Scouts together, and then we were in ROTC together, and, and that, that motivated you to uh, go to Norwich. Tell us what that was like, and... Um, what, uh... I think when I slid it, it shut off. We're here with Larry Coster, uh, who's going to talk to us about uh, his time in the military, uh, beginning with uh, uh, his time uh, starting in ROTC, junior ROTC in high school, and then on to Norwich. Thank you, Josh. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I, you and I were in Boy Scouts together when we were 13, 14 years yeah. old. I remember, remember that. I remember us playing Army in the uh, back, backyard of the Gloucester Community Church, uh, and uh, then our time in ROTC at uh, Gloucester High. Um, we had quite a, quite a few adventures there. Uh, I graduated Gloucester High in 1976 and went on to attend uh, Norwich University in uh, Northfield, Vermont. Norwich is the nation's oldest private military school and is considered the home of our, the birthplace of ROTC. I attended Norwich from uh, 1976 to 1980, and upon graduation, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. Um, 19, if if uh, your listeners will recall, uh, 1980 was a period of time, the post-Vietnam era, very quiet, very little money being spent on the military, um, just a very quiet period of time with nothing happening. Uh, during that period of time, I, I when I joined the military, I went off to uh, Fort Huachuca, Arizona, where I attended a basic intel course and uh, subsequently went on to airborne training at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and then, uh, for, correction, Fort Benning, Georgia, and then off to uh, the 101st Airborne Division in uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Spent about a year or so at Fort Campbell and then deployed to... Uh, back to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina for Special Forces training f to attend the uh, Special Forces Qualification course. I completed the Special Forces Qualification course in 1983 and then was assigned to uh, uh, 10th Special Forces Group right here in uh, Massachusetts at Fort Devens prior to the closing of Devens. And I spent approximately eight years there at uh, Fort Devens in uh, 10 Special Forces Group, where I was both a Special Forces team leader, uh, company executive officer, and a uh, group operations officer. Quite an interesting time to be there because that's when things started to happen. Uh, we deployed over to the Gulf for the uh, first Gulf War and deployed uh, into Northern Iraq during and after the war and uh, subsequently returned back to the U.S. And it was also a time when the wall was coming down and there was severe uh, unrest and 
uh, disorganization within the former Soviet Union. So I got to uh, do a few things over there to help uh, establish our embassies in the respective new Soviet republics, which now found themselves as uh, independent countries. So, you know, I've done quite a bit during my uh, 12 years on active duty. And after I left active duty, I headed off to the reserves where I served both in 11th Special Forces Group, which is a reserve group at Devons, and then down to Tampa, Florida, where I was a reserve augmentee for Special Operations Command CENTCOM. What is that? The Special Operations Command CENTCOM is the command and control element for all special forces, all special operational forces deployed in the central uh, command area, which is basically the Middle East, the Horn of Africa, and Central Asia. Okay. And what are the kinds of things that uh, special forces would be deployed for in, in those areas? Well, they'd be deployed for everything from training missions to counter-narcotics missions, teaching uh, such uh, border troops, uh, say in Turkmenistan or Uzbekistan, counter-narcotics operations. Uh, they'd be deployed as uh, to assist in humanitarian missions. Uh, also, they did be, are deployed in Afghanistan in uh, direct combat roles to uh, to. Uh, fight and engage the Taliban and to train uh, the Afghan commandos uh, in, the, in uh, special operational tactics and combat tactics to make them a more effective fighting force against the Taliban. So after, so after uh, your active duty uh, in the military, you stayed in the reserves, but you also went to law school. Yes, I, when I left the uh, military in 1983, I attended New England School of Law and graduated there in 96, passing the bar the same year. Um, and I subsequently, after passing the bar, decided that uh, practicing law really wasn't for me and that perhaps I should enter the, the business field, which is what I did. And I established a company and we started doing some con contracting for the U.S. government. And that evolved uh, doing contracts for the U.S. government, for the Canadian government, for the New Zealand government, for the Australian government, for the, uh, for the British government, Norway, uh, Lithuania, and a bunch of other countries where we would provide them uh, linguist support so, so that they'd be able to communicate between uh, themselves and the foreign nationals in the countries where they were working. Okay, and and what is uh, so? One of the I remember when I was a headhunter, you called me one time and wanted a hundred people that spoke Pashto who uh, uh, were U.S. citizens. And I remember finding four or five, none of which were U.S. citizens, and I wouldn't even return their calls because I figured we're going to war, and you know, <laughs> the FBI would show up at my desk and. Uh, and yeah. What am I talking to these people? You, we, do, we do a lot of recruiting. I have 13 full-time recruiters now. We have over uh, somewhere in the vicinity of five to 600 people, five to 600 linguists deployed overseas working in seven to 10 different countries, uh, speaking anywhere from 10 to 15 different languages, and working for between two and three different countries including the United States. Um, it's a very interesting field. Uh, it's very difficult to find the right person. And sometimes it takes up to nine months to process this individual uh, so that he can get the appropriate clearances to deploy and work for the, work for the respective government he's going to work for. And, and what, uh, uh, so companies, uh, countries will hire you to do 
a support service uh, for their operational troops in the field or deployment. Uh, and, that's, and that happens in all different factions of support from what, I, from what you shared with me. Yeah, it's a necessary logistical support that they're going to need when they get on the ground to wherever they're going to go. And we, you know, we've had relationships uh, going back with New Zealand now for 10 years, uh, Australia for 10 years, the Canadians for six or seven years. Uh, we've been working for the U.S. government now for 25 years. So it's, it's, it's a recognized need that we've been providing, and uh, we've provided a significant number of individuals for that period of time. And uh, I would say over the course of time, we probably had two to 3,000 employees uh, funnel through the program, but we have a very good retention rate. So we look at about probably the average employee has six to seven years on the job. You've been in the military. I mean, we were, you know what the military was when we were kids growing up and in the neighborhood. And uh, you certainly had your view of what it was when you uh, became a commissioned officer and then got to see how it changed uh, and, and where it is today. How is it different than it was when you first started out uh, in the military? Well, I think, you know, qualitative, the soldier now is is very, very, very skilled in his profession, has a uh, greater skill set than we had when we were in the, when we started in the military. Um, they're, they're screening better. They're, they're getting higher quality individuals into the military. Uh, we Not to say we didn't have high, high quality individuals, but the, the standards are higher now. Plus the equipment has evolved light years. Uh, when we entered the military, we had uh, plastic or rubber ponchos and cotton pants and uh, wool long underwear. Now it's polypropylene, Gore-Tex, um, the equipment is far superior than anything we ever had. Uh, the ev the weapon systems uh, are in their sixth or seventh uh, evolutionary stage. So when we entered the military, uh, it's it was it's night and day between what it is today. The the quality of the soldier and the quality of the equipment, uh, just absolutely fantastic what they've done. And the. Um how we deploy or how we uh, approach uh, military operations is different, uh, obviously, today than it was then. We, we have as many uh, uh, armaments because, you know, uh, <clears throat> you don't, you, the sophistication of the technology of what we do. Um, looking, look, if you would, if you could put into the crystal ball and say what, what, what is it that America needs uh, for, for the military going forward? Uh, where are we? What, what do we still need to do, if anything? Well, I think the military probably should be expanded due to the number of individuals we have deployed overseas. I, I can't give you an exact number, but I'm sure it's out there on the Internet somewhere. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we had 20,000, 30,000, well, 20,000 folks deployed at any given time in, a, in, in hundreds 
100 plus locations and we need to look at expanding the force because I'm sure there's a burnout factor that we're starting to reach where folks have been deployed to Afghanistan, say Afghanistan for, for 10 or 15 times. Now it's time to, to shorten those deployments or lengthen them uh, but make them more infrequent. Uh, I think a lot of our, our, our troops are probably getting deployment weary, uh, although being deployed is probably the best preparation uh, for combat is to actually be in that environment. However, they do need a break, and I think that in order for them to have that break, they have to look at a, at a substantial increase in forces. Okay. What um, what is the uh, uh, we were before prior to the fall of the Soviet Union? We were us and China and, and Russia, I guess, were the three superpowers, or Britain, maybe, I don't know. Um, are we alone as the superpower, and, and what does that mean for our role in, in, as far as the military, uh, for, for, at least from your standpoint? Well, we may or may not be the only superpower. However, there's a lot of challenges, and I think there's far more challenges than we can probably handle with our existing force, because on how many front fronts can we fight a war? Can we keep troops deployed to Central Asia forever while fighting war in the, and then dealing with an issue in, in the South China Sea? Uh, we need, that's one of the reasons why we need to look at expansion of our forces because we're constantly being challenged wherever we are. So we have a lot of adversaries and we have a lot of adversaries out there who are not actively engaged in being our adversaries but are waiting for an opportunity. And I think because of that, we probably should be looking at uh, expanding the force and expanding our intel operations and perhaps more automation so that we can make the existing manpower we have go further. How close are we or far are we from a Star Wars type of uh, uh, military? Um, I know we, we, you, you see, continue to see more things with laser and, and all of that. And uh, is, is, is the next generation or the generation following that going to be something from a, what we would see as a science fiction movie or I don't know I, I think I think we're probably at least two if not three generations from that um, there's still a lot of technology that has to be developed for that although we do now have te technology that allows a guy in the United States to engage a target in Afghanistan while there being uh, any human hands on that weapon system that's being used. So we do have some elements of a Star Wars technology already in place, but I think we're going to see a rapid advancement within the next 10, 20, 30 years. Okay, and, and the drones thing is a is a... The drones thing is a massive thing. However, as much as we use drones, the other side uses drones. Yeah. So, you know, they, we, we can, that advantage can be canceled out if the other side is also using drones. How much, how much is the, uh, the uh, satellites, uh, how much of our weapon system or our intelligence system are, is, is tied into satellites and, and is that? on tier of, of, of a battleground? Well, I think a lot of things are tied into the satellites because of the GPS now. And if the, if the satellites are not 
knocked out, then the GPS and the, and the weapons guidance systems knocked out. All right. So the way to, so the way to, uh, uh, to uh, minimize the strength of a country or a, a military is 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 shooting at the at the satellites to. Uh, minimize uh, their either ability to communicate or their ability to, to fight a, a, a technological war? Well, you know, if you can blind the other guy, you always have an advantage. Yeah. So blinding him either through uh, through destruction of, the, of a sat communication satellite or a, or a uh, navigation satellite is one method of blinding him, although I'm sure there are other methods on the battlefield that can be used. Well, that's great. Well, I thank you for being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold, soon to be Connections. We're, we're changing our name, uh, but uh, we're doing a special uh, tomorrow uh, on Veterans Day, and we wanted to have uh, hear, hear from you. We want to thank you for being a guest. Oh, thank you very much, Josh. Good great. seeing you again. Same. Well, hopefully this all worked. Hopefully. I'm Bob Gillis, president of KPN Savings Bank serving the Cape Ann community with stability and commitment for over 170 years. Since 1846, our customers have relied on our local bank service and big bank benefits. Stop by our offices or call to talk about your banking needs at 978-283-0246. Built on community, capeannsavings.bank. Member FDIC, member DIF, equal housing lender. Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners with respected companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policies. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester, now partnering with Columbia Insurance, serving the North Shore. You'll love the Bradford Tavern in Rowley as they feature a menu to please everyone. Start your meal with your choice from a dozen delicious appetizers. There are also soups and fresh salads. Dinner selections include burgers, sirloin tips, chicken parmesan, chicken piccata, and then there's seafood, clams, haddocks, salmon, lobsters, and fish tacos. Plus a wide selection of sandwiches and wraps. Let the Bradford Tavern host your events or functions set in unique spaces. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. The Bradford Tavern, Route 133 Rowley and Bradford Tavern Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. Professional builders and remodelers choose Anderson Windows more than any other brand in the United States. They do so because Anderson Windows and patio doors offer beautiful natural wood interiors, low maintenance exteriors, and outstanding energy efficiency. See the complete line of Anderson Windows at any of our three locations in Beverly, North Reading, or Plastown, New Hampshire, or at MoynihanLumber.com. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our next guest is Adam Kukuru, who is the veterans, a veterans agent for the city of Gloucester. Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me this morning. Well, I know you're busy <coughs> excuse me, uh, with uh, veteran celebrations and, and everything, but uh, could you give us a little bit of background about your time in the military? I know you were... United States Marine, uh, and uh, but tell tell our listening audience about uh, your time in the military, and then we'd really like to hear about uh, some of the work you do now as a veterans agent. Sure. So um, 
I, uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2006. I had uh, two grandfathers uh, that were both in the military that really uh, inspired me. They were really my role models. One was in the Marine Corps and the other one was in the Navy. So I always had the, uh, the ambition to go uh, in service. The Marine Corps had a message of being part of the best, and that has always stuck with me. Uh, so that's where I chose the Marine Corps. Um, I joined in 2006 and did my boot camp uh, at Paris Island, and then I went to my uh, military specialty school, which was uh, motor transportation, where I went to Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. Um, after that, I was stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. I was there um, until I deployed um, to Camp Fallujah, Iraq in 2007, and I was there until 2008. Um, came back, did some time at Camp Lejeune, um, I deployed again in 2009 and 2010 uh, to Afghanistan. I did my four years in the Marine Corps, uh, one tour in each, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and uh, after that, I returned back to Gloucester and uh, began um, searching for what my next calling would be. I really thought it would be uh, to continue to serve my country um, in line with maybe the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, but... Being around Cape Ann, growing up here, uh, having a connection with the people, um, I really found my true calling in giving back to the community and, more importantly, uh, giving back to my fellow veterans. So I began volunteering at the uh, veterans' office when I returned home in 2011, and um, I've, I've been there ever since uh, from the volunteer capacity. In 2014, I was hired as the director and I've been there just under six years. Great. <clears throat> Great. Now, a veterans agent does. I know that we uh, were in attendance with Rotary uh, where they gave uh, Massachusetts general laws that mandates. That what are the, some of the things you're charted to keep in? Sure. So under Massachusetts general law, Chapter 115, we are mandated for every community with over 12,000 to have a full-time veterans director. Um, we, in 2015, partnered with our two uh, adjacent communities, Manchester and Rockport, to create a veteran service district. Um, what we're mandated to do is the issuance of a benefit called Massachusetts General Law Chapter 115 Benefits. That's an income-based program that assists those that are on, uh, that have uh, used their unemployment benefits, that are on Social Security Disability, and those that are on Social Security. That's the bedrock of the position, really to uh, help veterans that are in financial uh, distress receive a monetary benefit from the city that is then reimbursed by the state at a 75% reimbursement. From there, uh, we really are the hub to the various resources. We're the hub to the VA, where the VA has so many resources out there to assist veterans in, in so many different ways. But like many federal organizations, there's a lot of paperwork associated with them. So we're there to assist veterans and their families file for various benefits, such as VA compensation, VA pensions, uh, grave markers, funeral assistance, um, and all the other programs, the wonderful programs that the VA has. Because we're a municipal organization and not a federal organization, we work um, in the same capacity that an individual could fill out the paperwork. 
know and just the repetition of doing the paperwork to understand what it is that the VA is looking for and what the VA wants from the veterans and their families. So we can kind of expedite the process and take some of the frustration away from our veterans and get them the benefits that they've deserved and that they've earned. Um, from there, we are there to support the legacy of our military men and women and everything that they served our nation to do. So that's community, and that's community involvement. We spend a lot of time interacting with various groups in the community uh, to learn more about the services, the great services that are provided here on Cape Ann for veterans. We spend time with various groups, uh, teaching them about this week. Um, to this, all, We went to the middle schools. We went to the elementary schools went to the nursing homes, uh, the adult daycare centers, and we have been thanking veterans and talking in the community about veteran services and how important it is to remember the legacy of our veterans, that this starts from those that were willing to protect our nation and all the great things that all our citizens of Gloucester do stem from that ability uh, and the freedoms that our veterans have provided. Great. What uh, <clears throat> what are some of the uh, some of the organizations that uh, you find yourself become involved with? Work a lot with um, one group. I'm really proud uh, proud of that. I work with you is uh, the Gloucester Rotary, and um, the message of Rotary is uh, service above above self, and that really ties in to the legacy of our military. Uh, where our fighting men and women put um, their service above um, self-preservation at times. And so one of, the, one of the organizations I'm really proud of is Rotary because it's giving back to the community. And like we'll be doing next week, and you helped me, uh, you've done a lot of the work in setting this up next week. We'll be honoring our veterans uh, at Rotary next week. Um, we're very involved with organizations like Senior Care, an open door, the senior centers, the schools, uh, pretty much anything we can get our hands on um, that can either benefit our veterans or benefit our community, we are certainly glad to speak with, get involved with, and hopefully create these partnerships, uh, not only to assist our veterans, but to better serve our community as a whole. Great. <clears throat> Great. I'm having some <clears throat> uh, problems with my voice here, not uh, holding up as well as I'd like. Um, Veterans Day celebration on what Monday? Tell, walk us through what that what that involves. Sure. So Veterans Day is celebrated on Monday this year. It's on the eleventh. We always do the city ceremony on the day of. So this year it's on Monday. It'll be held at nine o'clock in the Gloucester High School Auditorium. Um, we'll have this main ceremony there, and we have some one. Uh, we have a wonderful guest speaker. William O'Brien, who has connection uh, that began in Gloucester uh, through his time at Norwich University, where he met a couple of local Gloucester folks, um, one of them being Frank D'Amico, who was killed in action in Vietnam. And he was really inspired um, by their uh, service. And, uh, you know, he, he's here to talk to us. We'll have the um, young school kids from from the um, Veterans Memorial School, 
with some songs and doing the national anthem. We'll have a member of our Coast Guard station with his young son leading us in the Pledge of Allegiance. We'll have the Docksiders. It'll just be a great community event to honor and recognize our veterans. And then it will be followed up by a parade from the Gloucester High School to the, uh, to the American Legion immediately following um, in remembrance of Armistice Day um, and the signing of the end of World War I. So we will be laying wreaths um, with our mayor and our uh, emergency responders, our Coast Guard, our veterans organization in front of the American Legion. And then we'll um, conclude with a luncheon at the American Legion that's open to the community. Great. And uh, you've also been involved, I know, with the Reeds Across America. Uh, tell us about that and, and uh, uh, whether that's going to continue or, or, or what. Yep, so we've done Reeds Across America for she's become a lawyer, and uh, she's doing great things to, to uh, further her career. And um, we're going to take a year off from that this year, but it will be returning. Um, She's returning to school. Our office is short-staffed this year uh, due to uh, Lucia Romero's retirement. She, um, she gave 25 years to the city of Gloucester and to its veterans, and she is on a well-deserved retirement. So She did a great job. I remember her. She did a wonderful job. So this is a good time for us to take a year off, to regroup, to come up with some new ideas on how to... Uh, excuse me, continue to grow that and come back in full force next year uh, to continue Reach Across America. Well, that's great. I hope it uh, I hope it does continue. I thought I participated in it last year, and I uh, will look forward to it happening. I also suggested that uh, maybe the Rotarians could do a, a wreath for every Rotarian uh, that passed, but we got to find out where they all are, too. So I want to thank you for uh, being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Uh, but also I want to thank you for being a veteran and serving our country. And in particular, I want to thank you for being uh, uh, the veterans agent and all the good things you do in support of our, our uh, men and women uh, who have served our country. I greatly appreciate that, Josh, but uh, I really need to give credit to all the people that volunteer in our great community. Um, we're very fortunate to have a lot of volunteers, uh, people giving their time. Otherwise, a lot of these programs that we're able to do uh, wouldn't be able to get done. So um, I thank you for um, thanking me, but it, I'm really, uh, it's really deserving to all the volunteers that help us get the job done. Well, thank you, and thanks for being on Trending Now with Josh Arnold, and I'll be talking to you uh, uh, in the next uh, few hours about our, our, our Rotary celebration on Tuesday. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, take care. Title Boxing, Route 114, Danvers, a friendly, challenging environment. Title Boxing is a great place to come for exercise, uh, to help yourself get into shape, meet some new people, have a good time while you're working out, lift some weights, meet some friends that will probably be with you for a long time because it's like a family environment here. The instructors are all great. You can try it out a few times. We have boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. You actually get to come in and take the first class free. You can try it out probably about two or three times before you can actually make a decision. Title Boxing. Danvers. Looking to run up the score on your savings? Open a CD savings or money market account at Institution for Savings. Fall's the perfect time to earn funds for your future, and our rates are among the best. 
Stop by one of our offices in Amesbury, Beverly, Boxford, Gloucester, Hamilton, Ipswich, Middleton, Newburyport, Rockport, Rowley, Salem, Salisbury, and Topsfield. Or visit us online at institutionforsavings.com, member FDIC, DIM. Cherry Farm Creamery wishes all the teams and players the best of luck this fall. Check out the fall ice cream flavors now available. Pumpkin, caramel, apple. Cherry Farm offers 20% off to kids in uniforms. Enjoy the taste of summer all year round at Cherry Farm Creamery, Conant Street, Danvers. The North Shore is listening to MSONewsports.com. A selection of podcasts. Hi, this is Phil Stacy of Sports Air at the Sun News. Make sure to listen to our podcast every week with the sports writers from the Salem News, including Matt Williams, Nick Giannino, and myself. MSO News Sports, connecting you to the North Shore. Alrighty then, that takes care of this edition of Trending Now with Josh Arnold, and we're going to sort of put this on the shelf for a while, as we do from time to time. We're going to come back on Tuesday, or Tuesday, um, with um, a, a program that we had on the shelf. We're taking it off the shelf, and right. we're, we're going to bring it back called Connections. Um, and it's, it, it will be a, a different format in that we're going to include uh, several different things. We're going to try to make it a magazine format. We'll, we'll hopefully have, uh, uh, we'll have a lot of variety of guests, but we're also going to bat around the local news topics of the day to start things. We'll have our, uh, our newscast uh, just prior to going on the air with, um, with Connections. And we invite... Um, suggestions for connections as we talk to people and very happy our for a couple of our first guests already are lined up the uh, superintendent of Essex Tech will be on board Heather Riccio and uh, also um, be chatting with um, uh, the the leading vote getter uh, in the Salem City Council race uh, I think everybody in Salem knows him uh, Captain Conrad Prosnuski who just retired from the Salem Police Department. We'll be chatting with him, and we'll have other guests and features on as well coming up on Tuesday. And what we're going to do is we're going to, um, um, we're going to, Josh and I are going to co-host, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be just, um, some of it will be freelancing at the beginning of the hour like we do sometimes here when we don't have a phone call. Right, right. All right, thank you, Josh. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you Tuesday morning. And don't forget, we've got two football games tonight. Marblehead is at Melrose. That will be on Channel be and i will be with paul ingram in danvers as we'll feature the homecoming of uh, coach wally dombowski's winchester sachems against the danvers falcon falcons both games at seven o'clock and we'll um, both channel a and channel b will probably be on the air with uh, some pregame stuff around six o'clock or so so stay tuned tonight and uh, if i don't see or hear from you oh again how to get a hold of josh arnold Josh Arnold at Verizon.net. Josh Arnold at Verizon.net, and you can get a hold of us at msonewsports at gmail.com. msonewsports at gmail.com. So, for Josh Arnold, for Bill Newell, for our producer and engineer, Bill Paposki, I'm Rick Moore. Have a terrific weekend. This is msonewsports.com.